clearly one of the things that Jesus was saying to this guy is, I want to hear from you. Your voice matters. Don't just let me look at you and have me figure out what I think you want me to do. I want you to speak up and state your need. And you all, that's so much a part of prayer. It's about inviting God into our lives. And it's about being confident enough of his goodness, of his love, to understand that your voice matters and that he wants to hear from you. He wants us to speak to him and then he can help us grow in our faith, grow in the character of Christ as we offer up our prayers and as he answers and meets those needs, our relationship with him is strengthened. Our faith is strengthened, but it's all about building that relationship, building that trust, growing in our faith, growing in our character, and for you and for me to realize that your voice matters. When I was talking with someone that I know about prayer and we were just sharing about, you know, the things that are on our heart, how to pray, when to pray, all of that. She asked me a really good question, my friend did. She said, well, if God knows all of our needs, why do we really need to ask? And I said, hmm, well, I'm like, we could look at a lot of scriptures to talk about this. But one of the things is that really your voice matters. God wants to hear from you. He wants to hear from me. We're not just here to be robots where he just knows what we need and supplies all of that. It really is all about building that relationship and really trusting him enough to be honest with him. So today we will talk about Your Voice Matters. This is Bridges. I'm Monica Schmelcher, and I'm glad that you could join us. And I want to start out today in this passage of Scripture in the book of John. And I'm going to start reading verses, uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 9 out of the New Living Translation. And I think that as we read this story in the Bible, we will see clearly that your voice matters, and that he wants to hear from you. It says there, afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. It says, inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him, and knew that he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me in the pool. When the water bubbles up, someone else always gets ahead of me. Jesus told him, Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. Now, certainly this account is a miraculous story, and it's rich. It has all kinds of stuff, substance, and tells us all kinds of things about the nature of God, the character of God, and what he sent Jesus here to do above and beyond saving us, which that would have been more than enough, and yet God continued to do more. But you see that Jesus is on site where there are all of these sick people, and it says that he sees this man who's been sick for a long time, 38 years. 
38 years. I would imagine, regardless of how old somebody is, if you've been sick for 38 years, it's probably fair to assume that's all you can remember is being sick. And yet Jesus asked him what would be an odd question because he just said he saw the man and knew he'd been sick for a long time. And he says to the guy, would you like to get well? Well, you know, you would think, well, duh, yeah, I want to get well. Here I am, right? I'm at the pool of Bethesda. I'm like trying to do my thing here, right? I'm supposed to hear the water bubble. And I'm, I can hear that happen because the man wasn't deaf. He could hear that but he couldn't get in fast enough because he's paralyzed and he couldn't get somebody to help him. And he says, someone always gets there ahead of me. And we can all, whether we're paralyzed or not, relate to that. Are there not things in our lives where we try to do something and somebody else gets first in line or somebody else gets the sale before we do or whatever that's all about. But still Jesus says to him, would you like to get well? And the guy tells him, no, I can't. These are my set of circumstances, and here's why I can't do it. And you would think that the answer to Jesus' question would be obvious, and yet he asked it. So I certainly don't know all the reasons uh, that Jesus asked this question, but clearly one of the things that Jesus was saying to this guy is, I want to hear from you. Your voice matters. Don't just let me look at you and have me figure out what I think you want me to do. I want you to speak up and state your need. And you all, that's so much a part of prayer. It's about inviting God into our lives. And it's about being confident enough of his goodness, of his love, to understand that your voice matters and that he wants to hear from you. I'm sure you've all had this situation happen where you say to someone, well, what do you want to do tonight? And the person says, oh, I don't know. What do you want to do? Well, I don't know. What do you want to do? Right? You go to a restaurant. What are you going to order? Hmm. I don't know. What are you ordering? And like nothing, like there's no information exchange. There's no real personal uh, relationship building going on. You're just like, I don't know. What do you know? I don't know. I remember, um, I was asking my husband one weekend, well, what do you want to do? And sometimes we'll go through that, oh, I don't know, what do you want to, is there something you want to do? I don't know. And he looked at me and he goes, I want to do absolutely nothing and just relax. And I was like, thank you, Joe. That's exactly what I wanted to know. Now I know how to plan. Now I know where you're at. You're tired. You just want to relax. Sounds really good to me. So on some level, I think that that is what God is telling us when he says to pray about everything, to pray without ceasing, to bring our needs to him. Yes, the Bible says he knows our needs. Before we even say it, he knows. And yet he says to ask. And we need to understand that part of that is that your voice matters and he wants to hear from you. He doesn't want a robotic relationship where he just throws this down from heaven and does this and does that. He wants us to speak to him and then he can help us grow in our faith, grow in the character of Christ as we offer up our prayers and as he answers and meets those needs, our relationship with him is strengthened. Our faith is strengthened. Think about it. 
the last time that you prayed about something, when God answered it, as much as you knew that he was going to answer it, there's always that element of, oh my gosh, he answered my prayer. Oh my goodness. I was talking with a friend over the weekend and she said that she prayed and said, God, I really need some really new fun projects to work on. And 30 minutes later, a professor from a college, and my friend doesn't even work at a college, called her and said, you know, we've been reading your book and we think that your book would be a really great activity for our students. We could have you speak uh, and we'd do a Zoom call and it would be this fun interaction activity. And she said, you know, she offered up that prayer and within 30 minutes, God answered. Now she knows God answers prayer. God knew that she needed another fun project to do, right? And yet, He invites us into relationship. And so my friend offered up that prayer. God answered. It strengthened her faith. It gave her confidence. And it showed the Lord that she trusts him. She brought up the desire of her heart. And for her, she got that prayer answered in 30 minutes. And I teased her back and I'm like, well, I got a prayer answered this week. I mean, I've been praying my prayer for 45 years and you get it in 30 minutes, but I'm not bitter. But you all, that's how it goes. Some of our prayers are answered quickly. Some, it takes a longer time. But it's all about building that relationship, building that trust, growing in our faith, growing in our character, and for you and for me to realize that your voice matters. My voice matters. It's not enough to just say God knows the need. It's about us having enough faith to utter that need, to know that he doesn't scold us, he doesn't shame us. He says, if you want wisdom, that he will give it to us liberally. We have to ask for it. And he encourages us us in the book of James by saying that he will not find fault with us. He will not criticize us when we ask for wisdom. You know, sometimes when we ask a question to people, they kind of scold us like, well, why are you asking me that? You should know that already. So God doesn't say that to us when we pray. When we ask for wisdom, He says that he will give it to us liberally, and yet we're to ask. And one of the reasons for that is that your voice matters and that he wants to hear from you. There are all these people, all these voices in the world, and yet God loves you enough and God loves me enough that he wants us to enter into this relationship and to begin to talk to him and to state our needs. When you think about it, when people are not clear, when they're just really vague about what they want, how disconcerting that can be. It can be over what you're going to order on the menu, what you're going to do, do over the weekend. I know one of the things that I go through that I think is vague and awkward is, you know, as the host of the Bridges show, sometimes people will meet me, you know, somewhere or send me a book and I'm asking like, okay, I mean, are you giving this to me because you want to be considered as a guest on the Bridges show? What is this about? Uh, People will say, you know, God, he just told me to call. God, he just told me to send you this book. And there were several years ago, people would say, well, God told me that I should meet with you. And I used to schedule that meeting. And then it would be the most awkward thing in the world to sit in a room with a person and say, well, I don't know why I'm here, but God told me to come. And it's like, okay, so you want me to figure that out? Why God told you to come here? So now I just say, okay, well, as soon as God tells you what he wants you to talk to me about or tell me, you just give me a call back because it's just too awkward to just be sitting there. 
God doesn't want us to be vague or ambiguous or live in la-la land, so to speak. He wants us to speak up what our needs are, what our wants are, and He will, by the power of His Holy Spirit, answer those prayers, maybe redirect us as we pray, show us a different way to pray. But we have to have just enough faith to use our voice, just like the man at the pool of Bethesda. There would be that thought that clearly if a guy's been sick for 38 years and he's near the pool of Bethesda and he's waiting for the water to bubble up that he wants to get well. And yet Jesus asked him that very question. And the next thing after he wants to hear from you is that he invites us to be honest. I want you to look with me in Matthew 8 and I'm going to read there from verses 23 to 27 out of the New Living Translation. It says, Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, shouting, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Jesus responded, Why are you so afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up, rebuked the wind and waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man, they asked. Even the winds and waves obey him. You think about the question Jesus asked. Why are you so afraid? If you look at the verse just above that, they just told him. They just said, we're going to drown like there's a storm. And Jesus says, why are you afraid? Now, Jesus was experiencing the storm, too. He was sleeping during the first part of it. Once they woke him up, he's up. He's experienced the storm. And he asked the question, probably for many reasons, but one of them is that he wants them to be honest. And he wants us to be honest about our fears, about our mistakes, about our regrets. And when I say he wants us to be honest, well, like Monica, they were honest. They said they were scared of the waves and the wind and the storm and they were going to drown. They were afraid of drowning. Well, they were, clearly. And you know how it is with so many things in our lives. So we have the storm, right? And we are afraid of the wind and the waves and the water and that we're going to drown. Like whether for us, you know, these guys are fishermen. Jesus did tell them they were going to go to the other side. But nonetheless, there's a lot of things we do out of faith. And then a storm arises and we think, oh, my goodness, maybe it's not a physical drowning, right? Maybe it's finances and we think we're going to go bankrupt. Or maybe it's a, a diagnosis. Maybe it's a prodigal child. Maybe it's an addiction that surfaces in somebody's life. And we just think, God, we are absolutely going to go under, and so when Jesus said, why are you so afraid? He wasn't asking just about the wind and the storm and the waves and all of that. He's asking us to open up about how we feel about all of these things. He invites us to be honest. Sometimes when that diagnosis comes up, yes, of course we want to be healed, of course. But to open up to our Savior 
to let him know that I really am afraid. I really don't know what I'm going to do or how I'm going to pay for this. There's something about that raw honesty when we trust him enough to open up. The Bible says when we draw nigh to him, he will draw nigh to us. And sometimes we will do everything to avoid that raw honesty and just stay on the surface. Well, it's the wind, it's the waves, it's the storm. Stop all of it. And sometimes all of that continues while he works with us internally to help us identify what's there. Now, I know that some of you are thinking, well, you know, like we can't talk about our feelings all of the time. And of course we can't. Of course we can't. We have jobs, we have things we have to do, we have laundry that needs to be done. We can't just... Also, we don't want to focus on everything that's wrong because being a pessimist or being a negative Nancy uh, can really affect our perspective. But he really invites us to share in an honest way, in a way that processes a way in which he listens and points the way forward. What I'm talking about is not just hanging out with all the pessimism and all the things that could go wrong and all the negative things that we feel and just hash that over and over because certainly you'll get nowhere really fast doing that. But when we process things with the Lord, when we open our heart to him and we honestly share and invite him into what we're going through, he will point the way forward. He loves us too much to let us just stay where we are. He will get to the root of that with us, and he will help walk with us forward or sideways or whichever way that we need to go. Now, some of our legalism and some of our religiosity keeps us stuck in a rut because we're taught to deny that we're afraid or to criticize people for their fears or for someone that... uh, Hopefully this doesn't happen, but if someone is in a marriage and they commit adultery, sometimes people are just told, well, you just need to forgive and forget and move on and and second one. You all, that's just absolutely impossible. Like that is not what the Bible is talking about when it talks about forgiveness. Forgiveness for a betrayal like that is going to take time and prayer and hard work and trust has to be rebuilt There's all of those things. And so if you're in that kind of a storm, yes, you probably will need to keep working at your job and keep doing all the things that you need to do, but you're going to have to set aside some sacred space time where you can process that heartbreak. Pour out your heart toward God. Let him listen to you. Let him draw near to you and let him point you the way forward. If you just stay on the surface... That will build year after year after year after year. And the older you get, the more bitter you'll get, the more jaded you'll get. I used to think when I was a kid, why are adults so grouchy? People say, well, you know, we got to work jobs. We got to do this. It's not just that. It's the layers and layers of stuff that we never dealt with because we thought, well, that was wrong to deal with that. Well, that's not Christ honoring. Again, what I'm talking about is processing honestly with the God, with God, that your voice matters. It's perfectly okay for you to say that you're disappointed because someone betrayed you. It's perfectly okay for you to say that you're hurting over your prodigal. No, you don't want to stay stuck there. You still want to be able to get out and live life, 
but there has to be a time in which we acknowledge, and in this time, with Jesus and the disciples, he was letting them know, certainly I see the storm, I hear that, let's deal with all of that. And then he rebuked the wind and waves, and he said, you know, you don't have enough faith. And we always take that, that that was just the most horrible rebuke, is awful. You all, we, he did say that they had so little faith, but don't we all at times? And in those times when he says to us, you have so little faith, it's such an opportunity to grow our faith. We could all, if we're honest, grow in faith. I know that I can. Sometimes I get undone by the smallest of things, and I think, well, at this point, I should be farther along. And yet, he always takes me back. He always comforts me. He always points that way forward. Your voice matters. He wants to hear from you. He invites you to be honest, and he gives us what we need to move on. I will put the verses that I've shared with you and and the other things today up on the website in the online extras with today's lesson. And then I want us to talk about not only does he want to hear your voice, he wants to hear from you. He invites you to be honest. He also invites us to stop the show. And I want to read here in Luke 18, starting with verse 9 to verse 14 out of the New Living Translation. And this is an example of prayer. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. He beat his chest in sorrow, saying, O God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And you all, that example is so clear about the heart of God and what it takes to please God. One of the things that we can do in life, and certainly in our prayer life, is stop the show. This idea that we have to impress God with our faith, that we have to say all of the right things, that we have to pray all of the right things, that if we check all the boxes, we'll get the right result. Because that's what this Pharisee was doing. I mean, he was explaining to God what a really good boy that he was, right? He fasts twice a week. He gives God a tenth of his income. And it's not that fasting or tithing is bad. It's not. They're both right things to do for believers in Christ. Absolutely right. They're scriptural. They're biblical. They honor God when we do that by faith. But when we do that for a show, when we pretend like checking the boxes is what God wants, God doesn't want us to check boxes. He wants us to walk in faith. 
He wants us to give him our faith and our obedience because we love him. And this tax collector who was standing far off, who had the right attitude toward God, not God, I am so good and I'm just so deserved to be in your presence. He bowed his head and said, I am a sinner. Jesus said, I didn't come for the healthy. I didn't come for those who already have declared themselves righteous. I came for those who are sick and need a doctor. So there's that teaching there that he didn't come for the sick who wanted to stay sick. He came for the sick who needed a doctor, and he's the great physician. So when you look at your life and you think, well, I have all of these mistakes, these regrets, all of these things would stop me, impede me, disqualify me from getting to the Father. No, they don't. Not if you will be honest about them. Not if you will stop the show. Not if you will say, God, everything I've done or tried to do has fallen apart Or, God, I've been hugely successful, but I've missed what's most important, and that's you. And I need your forgiveness. Your voice matters. He already knows everything. He just wants to hear it from you. He invites us to come think about that, the great invitation that the creator of the universe, that he wants to hear from you. And that he invites you to be honest. You don't have to stay on the surface. You don't have to pretend, I'm okay, you're okay, God, we're all okay. That gets so old. And it's a lie. We all know that everything is not okay all the time down here on planet Earth. Yes, it is okay in heaven, and he's making it all work toward good. But you you all know we all have those moments. And it's just like, God, I'm so thankful this is not all there is because this is pretty messed up. And he invites us to be honest. And he really wants us to stop the show because nobody is impressed with our checking the boxes. And, you know, I'm a really good Bible study girl and I fast all the time and I do this. Even if you do all that, that's wonderful. And it's especially wonderful if you do all that in faith and out of obedience to him and because you want to grow more like him. That's what he wants. But he wants our whole self. He wants our heart. Your voice matters. He wants to hear from you. He wants you to know him. This is the best invitation that you will ever get, that I will ever get. That we don't have to play games with the creator of the universe or with people. Your voice matters. Maybe those closest to you don't really listen to you, are interested in what you're interested in. You know, that happens a lot. (laughs) Happens a lot in life. We have stuff we want to talk about, and people don't want to hear it, or they're not available the moment we need them. But God, but God, 24-7, all the time, nonstop availability, availability, listening ear. I encourage you. Take some time today. Don't let another day go by without understanding that your voice matters, that he wants to hear from you, and he invites you to be honest. He wants you, he wants me to stop the show and just be real. He is on your side, and he is waiting to hear from you. We're out of time. Got to go, but I say goodbye, and God bless you. 
If you're looking for ways to grow your faith, we invite you to go to monicaschmelzer.com where you can watch Bridges' interviews and Monica's teachings on demand. You'll also find free online extras that offer practical ways to live out your faith. Visit monicaschmelzer.com where you'll find hope because truth changes everything. Hello, I'm Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we are the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. What we believe is that addiction is not a surprise to God. That's right. We discuss addiction from a biblical worldview and how true freedom comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Absolute freedom from addiction. The secular worldview of once an addict, always an addict is just not true. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, subscribe to Life After Addiction at lifeaudio.com.